G'day guys, I'm Aaron Schultz with episode number 96 of the Outback Mine podcast. Thank you so much for joining in once again. You will know if you've been listening to this podcast uh, quite a bit uh, that I talk a lot about uh, workplace safety, uh, but not so much the physical side, the mental side, the psychological side. There's such a thing called psychological safety now where people uh, can be affected psychologically uh, from their work. And uh, it's something that I'm, I'm pretty passionate about. Um, obviously, being around lots of workplaces over the years and um, and sort of experiencing the highs or lows of what uh, what can actually happen um, with regards to, to people um, uh, with their work uh, affecting their mental well-being, I suppose. So it's really uh, an area that I'm passionate about and I want to try and, you know, raise some more awareness uh, to be able to make sure that uh, people uh, go to work uh, and come home safely, um, physically well, but also mentally well. And it's um, such a a great moment in time to be able to educate uh, people and also employers around how to, to do this better. So today I've got a leading expert in the, uh, in the I suppose, mining uh, area with regards to health and safety, um, but he's also got a passion for, for mental health and safety as well. Now, this guy's name is JT Kiriona. I think I've pronounced his um, surname right. Uh, he works throughout the mining industry uh, in Australia consulting uh, with regards to health and safety, but uh, he's based in Queensland, so he does a lot of, lots of work currently in, in the central Queensland area, and it's really well known and well regarded in that space. So I thought it'd be a great opportunity to uh, bring him along to talk about this sort of stuff, because it's really important, whether you're working in mining and construction or not. Um, I think most of the people listening to this podcast do work, um, and m- many are involved in the industrial space or blue collar space so i think you'll find this conversation quite helpful uh, it would be quite enlightening in many ways with uh, jt's experience and what he's observed over the years also with regards to male mental health and the workplace and, and and suicide as well unfortunately so we're going to touch on all that just want to make a special mention to our partners uh primary partners green nutritionals who provide green organic superfoods so if you are lacking something in your diet really uh, uh, recommend that you check out their website. Their the supplements are the best in the world. They're not synthetic like you buy from chemists and so forth and really pure and organic gear. So I really uh, encourage you to have a look at their site. It's uh, sorry, greennutritionals.com.au. And also we get some support from Pure Life Bakery who provide organic sprouted bread. So when the grains in our bread are sprouted, the digestion process in our bodies work a lot better. And when our digestion's working well, our mental health works well also. So I really encourage you to check out their site. It's purelifebakery.com.au. Alrighty, hope you enjoy this chat with JT and I. Really appreciate your feedback and really appreciate if you could share it with others to uh, help them if they're working in this space or, or just anyone in the workforce in general. I think you'll find the conversation um, you know, really enlightening in many ways. JT, welcome to the Outback Mind podcast. Yeah, thanks, mate. Thanks for having me on. No worries. I, as I said, I, I didn't know how to pronounce your surname, so we're just going to go with the JT line, and um, and that uh, that should cover all bases, I reckon, mate. Where did that come from, JT? Uh, so I've had the name on my initials actually JK, as yeah. you can see, but uh, ever since school, I had a mate called me, and I, I 
then after about 20 years, I started calling myself that. So It's funny how that yeah. works out, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, and with a name like that, you know, people often can't pronounce it, so JT's yeah. pretty easy. Unreal, mate. So tell us, you've had a pretty interesting journey, obviously, coming from... Uh, from, from New Zealand. Now, you, you, I know you were saying a lot about your upbringing. Your, your dad was in quite a bit of trouble and ended up uh, sort of in and out of prison for quite a while. Is that right? Yeah, that's exactly right, mate. So I grew up in a, on the east coast of New Zealand in a beautiful place called uh, Tauranga. And uh, now the prices are equal to Sydney. But uh, mm. <clears throat> my father was in and out of uh, jail my whole life. And uh, I had a mother that was strong enough to get us, get us through that. And uh, Involved us with the Seventh-day Adventist Church, who pretty much bought, uh, assisted in bringing us up, and we went to private schools. Um, I was a, a young a Māori boy living in the middle of Gate Park, which was the Bronx back in the day. Mm. Um, I didn't play rugby, I didn't eat meat, and we got picked up on a school bus uh, and wore uh, private school clothes. So, yeah. Unreal. So you would have been like, yeah, a bit of a fish out of water there, but primarily, mate, but you got through it all right. Yeah, we got through it all right. I mean, um, we moved into the neighbourhood when I was about five or six, and I've got four brothers and sisters. Um, my brothers uh, passed away, but uh, I have two sisters that live here and one older one that lives back in New Zealand. But you know what? After a while, everyone gets used to you guys, and we were just part of the neighbourhood. Yeah, unreal, mate. That's you know, a similar, similar background to, to me. Um, that sort of neighbourhood, mate, everyone was sort of... Uh, you know, from the School of Hard Knocks, and we all uh, went about it uh, in our own way. But I guess a lot of those uh, friendships that I made back then, uh, like, are still around with me today. You know, we had uh, we've got a pretty common bond from that that upbringing, I suppose. Absolutely, uh, it's about understanding uh, why people do what they do. You know, and if, if if you're in a community and you understand what sort of life they're having or what house it is, you know, oh, that's house 33, they do this, whatever. Yeah. Uh, eventually, you, you figure out you're all, all going to live in life or through life and uh, live within the community. So, you, I guess, you build up a little bit of empathy towards who they are and you just carry on with life. Yeah, absolutely. Well said, mate. Um, so, yeah, interesting. Obviously, uh, you've had a, a pretty big journey since then. So, how old were you when you come out to Australia? So, I was 21. 21 years old. I came out here... In February 1995, and I've been here ever since. Mm. Um, I was in a, in a bit of a rough position when I left. I was bouncing in the nightclubs back home and doing other things. And uh, I had a mate that came in 1994. He said, brother, you're better than what you're doing here. Come with me. Mm. Uh, so I still love him for that, and I thank him every time I see him. So you jumped on a plane and come to Australia. And what was it like when you got here, mate? Did you find any issues with racism or anything like that? Absolutely not. I, I found the Aussies uh, to be very uh, loving towards Kiwis, actually. Um, the, the hard thing, I guess, was coming uh, from New Zealand is understanding the Aussie humour. Yeah. Uh, you know, their way of telling them, I love you, is to give you a job and then just pay out on you all day about <laughs> yeah. being a Kiwi. Yeah. You know what I mean? So yeah. I, I guess a lot of people don't, um, or Kiwis especially, I had a few friends that came over and they took offence to it. I sort of got it straight away, and uh, the, the, a lot of the construction back in the day was based around paying out on each other, and the All Blacks and the Wallabies, because the Wallabies were pretty strong back in the day, um, and so it was all based on slang, mm, you know, slaging each other. Um, so I, I picked that up straight away, and uh, absolutely, I didn't find racism an issue. It was how well you could play rugby and how hard you worked. Mm, unreal, mate. That's... Uh... 
It's good to hear because, yeah, quite often people, uh, if they're getting slanged off in the workplace, um, you know, it, it can be a contributor to mental health issues, obviously, as well. But you were, you were obviously thick-skinned enough back then and, and things were totally different back then than what they are now. It's nearly 30 years ago, I suppose. But, um, yeah, you know, to be able to ride through that um, is, is, is nice to hear. So, mate, um, it's been an interesting journey for you. We're going to obviously talk deeply about about the workplace and so forth here. But so you worked in in construction for quite a while, and then you sort of developed a a, a bit of a uh, an interest in safety from there. Yeah. So I, I um, the director of coaching for Palm Beach Crumbin, the Alligators, was a guy called Phil Timperton, and he mentored a, a lot of guys that came over in the early days. Um, and we paid for him and we worked for him. So however many guys he was and however amount of work he had, he used to split it evenly between us. Mm. Um, yeah, and then I uh, sort of left Phil and went out uh, concreting by myself, uh, and I had a business that did uh, tilled up uh, concrete tilt panels. Um, it was all about working hard, you know, and uh, carrying on, and then I moved into the high-rise construction and as a supervisor on a couple of the jobs here on the Gold Coast, um, because back in probably early 2000, uh, the Gold Coast was booming and there's a lot of big high-rises going up. And uh, back in the day there, they used to be called workplace health and safety officers. Mm. So back then I saw a, a bit of a niche uh, for the opportunity to uh, help people out. Uh, the safety officers, when they came through initially, uh, I thought perhaps they could be a little bit more people, Orientated, yeah. yeah. Uh, you, know, you, you know, dealing with it and its personalities, and encouraging people to do the right thing through communication. So I actually got a workplace health and safety ticket, um, and I didn't really do anything about it. I had a couple of mates move into the mining sector, and they were up me, "Let's do this, let's do this, let's do this." And then I was on a, a few job sites where uh, people lost their lives, mm. and I thought to myself, "I can add value to this." Mm. Um, the second thing was, I was on a, uh, it was the Gold Coast Convention Centre, I was working on there one day, knee deep in concrete, and it had been about eight hours, and I saw the management team come up, and they had nice clean shirts on, cold cans of Coke, and I looked over there, and I said, I've had enough of this, I'm going to be one of those people. Mm. So there's sort of two sides to that, and uh, yeah, so I did what I had to, and uh, got the opportunity to, to move into health and safety, and here I am. Unbelievable, isn't it? And uh, I'm I'm similar age to you, but I remember back in the '90s and early 2000s and so forth as well, mate. And the safety guys were like robots, pretty much, weren't they? You know, it was just there was no no heart centered um, communication with the individual. It was all about compliance, and it was really fear based. So you actually feared, um, you know, the the ramifications of, um, of 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 having something wrong or doing something wrong. It was working against you rather than working with you. Would you agree? Yeah, that's right. I, I remember the first time I saw a safety officer, and uh, we were on the third deck of a uh, like a five-story walk-up, and I'd go around jobs uh, finishing concrete, you know. And you'd put in at the first place and go and finish the slab somewhere else. Mm. And uh, back in the day there, we used to wear footy shorts, gumboots, no shirt all day, and a cap on backwards if you wanted to keep the sun off your head. <laughs> and I look over, and there's this guy looking at me, and he's pointing at my head, pointing at my head, pointing at my body. I'm going, the boy's... Who's this guy? They go, oh, that's a safety guy, bro. You've got to put a heart out on him. Mm. I'm like, please. And then they started uh, alcohol and drug testing. So back when I was working, everyone was smoking pot, doing speed, or or drinking. Mm. Like everyone was going to the pub at lunchtime. And I remember laughing. 
I remember laughing going, no one's ever going to be building anything. Mm. But now we're in a, 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 you know, a day and age where uh, we're taking responsibility around these things. Um, and we're drug testing and doing alcohol testing. I think one thing we can improve on is offering better options at camps, uh, you know, paint activities, touch, cricket, netball, whatever, whatever it is. Mm. Uh, so there's two sides to that, you know. Anyone can test, but that's... Uh, you know, that's reaction. It's yeah. after the fact. Oh, exactly. And really the whole philosophy of this podcast and my philosophy has been for many years about, you know, being proactive rather than reactive and the health and safety model has been really reactive for, for a long time, you know, having the AAP in place and having the 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 inter, oh, sorry the solutions in place when someone gets injured psychologically or physically. But, you know, my whole philosophy is to have a zero harm mentality physically and mentally because you know um that that should be a last resort you know having that reaction to be able to prevent it um is really what it's all about yeah that's right i agree so mate um so your yeah your, your journey's been pretty significant and i remember the days as well uh, myself uh you know when, when people were having to wear hard hats but the only thing that could injure them would be something falling out of the sky you know um, so it was probably a little bit over the top sometimes, but um, you've obviously like become, I suppose, comfortable with it now, and things are starting to, um, you know, work uh, in alignment with with your beliefs and so forth as well. I uh, well, uh, I'll be honest, it's a constant challenge. Yeah. Um, you know, for starters, I'm a contractor, but when you get new contractors, uh, we've had a couple lately that have been just introduced newly to mining um but i think uh, the main thing is to get into them early at the contract stage um uh, lay your boundaries out safety wise mental health wise set your parameters and then support them through it it's uh too easy to give a contractor 25 relevant uh sops or safe operating procedures and say there you go mm. and then someone has an accident and you go well, it was in there. Mm. So it's, it's about guiding them through that process. Um, we're always going to make mistakes or whatever it is. But uh, I believe if you educate, education is the first thing. And it's how you communicate. So a lot of the times when people go to inductions, uh, I, I, I think a lot of the times the facilitators don't realise uh, their responsibility. Mm. So they want to rush through it. They want to get through it as quick as possible. You need to engage that audience and educate them, you know, and uh, and it doesn't stop there. You've got to carry on, uh, you know, pre-starts. Go over to the pre-starts, engage them all the time. Hey, guys, uh, I'm coming out here. Make them feel comfortable about your presence mm. rather than it be a negative thing. Mm-hmm. I absolutely agree. That's right, mate. It's like, like anything that's popping up in the workplace, uh, sometimes it can be uh, pushed against. But, uh, yeah, if you make it... Uh, informative and inviting and and you know have people want to be there uh that that makes all the difference so so you would have worked uh, with quite a few different clients um throughout your um time in, in i suppose consulting in in health and safety has there been good ones and bad ones i i think for the most part of it um every company especially so i've worked for a lot of international organizations uh, all around the world um and I think uh, the plan or the map that they have set out with regards to health and safety, mental health and all those sort of things, I think they're spot on. Mm. I believe the issue is 
having the appropriate people implement them yeah. at whatever level. Oh, so I know my capabilities and where that stops and starts, um, but I need to be able to have a resource to refer people onto if I can't deal with them. Yeah. I'm happy to have a chat with a guy. I'm happy to identify. I'm, uh, I'm uh, pretty good at uh, getting to know the guys on the ground and having a look how they're going. But there's a limit to what I do with regards to mental health. Mm. And if I don't have anywhere to re- refer them on to, which, in this, which I do have, um, you know, you've got to understand your limitations and, uh, uh, yeah, whatever you can't deal with, pass them on. Yeah, that's true. I suppose if you've got a good ethos and a good mindset with regards to what you're delivering, making sure that you have people uh, on site that you can use as advocates or mentors that can actually like help deliver those programs to be able to communicate with them consistently i think is really important so so i, I call them workplace champions so to have you know yep. ch- champions in the workplace that really are in, in, in alignment with what you're trying to do so that's constantly um, you know being uh being implemented throughout the uh the job site would you agree oh absolutely uh and uh we just had a a contractor um they just uh, finished their contract on site, but they had a guy there that was passionate about mental health, and he made himself mm. their advocate. You know, he, uh, he he talked about it openly, had open discussions, and uh, he had quite a quite a people contact him. You know, he's he's part of the um, mates in construction. Uh, so there's a lot of opportunity for people to help if they identify. Mm. I think the main thing is, first of all, make people aware of what's available. Yep. And then if you're happy to fill that space, uh, make sure that they know you're available. Yeah, yeah, agree, mate. It's, it's important. And uh, I think there's always, uh, you know, people on site that have got an interest because they've maybe hurt themselves at work or they've, they've, they've seen someone around them that's been hurt or maybe even worse, they've had someone in their lives that's suicided. So have you experienced much of that over your journey? Have you seen much suicide as a consequence to fly and fly out work and, um, and all that goes around that? Okay, so uh, I've been on a couple of sites and, and a couple of camps where it's happened. Uh, unfortunately, I can't uh, determine what the what the cause was, mm. um, but it's happened and it's uh, it's been absolutely devastating. Mm. Um, also, in my personal life, um, I've had a lot of young people close to me uh, do it as well. Mm. So, mental health for me has always been something that's. Uh, been at the forefront of my mind. Uh, I believe my father had some sort of form of mental health and my mother certainly has. I grew up with a mum that has a, a borderline personality disorder which has developed uh, through trauma, mm. through my growing up, you, you know. So uh, I've always I've got uh, twin 19-year-old girls and I always make sure that, well, I've always made sure that I've educated them on, you know, the possibility of it. I mean, a lot of it's hereditary a lot of it through trauma um but just being aware and having resources to to access uh should you need it agree now mate um you know without going too deeply into it why why do you think some of these things are occurring like obviously personally and and also in the workplace is it mainly due to, to financial problems relationship problems um, you know, lack of self-awareness. What do you think the main contributors are? Okay, so this is just my personal point of view coming from my perspective. Uh, the first thing is I believe people go out there uh, to earn money, and we earn good money. Mm. 
Mm. Uh, we all earn good money. But there's a sacrifice that you have. Mm. Um, you, know, you get on a plane at 6 o'clock in the morning, you fly out there, you do 7, 12-hour days or whatever the boys do. Um, and I, I certainly know uh, I'm divorced. I uh, still have a not a bad relationship with my ex-wife, but for 15 years of my girl's life, I worked away. Mm. So you've got a, a, someone at home who's very well financed, can pay all the bills, but doesn't have a companion. Yes. Um, so I believe that's that's one of them. I believe uh, uh, being alone. So when you finish work, and if you don't have an activity or something to do when you're standing in your dollar, if you don't want to do that, you're going to go to the pub or you're going to do something else. Yeah. So I believe extracurricular activities, organised ones, I believe um, that could help or not having them would be a, a, a contributing factor. Mm. Um, and the other thing is uh, overcapitalising. Guys come out here, earn good money, buy lots of things they don't need. Uh, all of a sudden they don't have work or whatever it is and they're stuck with all these possessions but they don't have any any foundation to their uh, finance. Yes. Um, yeah, and I, I believe this totally, I believe and I'm not preaching because I like to have a beer. But the culture of going out and having a few beers after work and drinking hard, mm. it's, it's something that's accepted because of how hard we work. Mm. But I certainly need it. Uh, I certainly believe that it's a, a point of view that needs to be changed. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Oh, absolutely, mate. I've seen know. it throughout my journey as well. That's why I've sort of taken it on, on myself to do the work that I've been able to do and also I'm doing at the moment to help guys understand how to manage their nervous system, you know, so so really understand when they're, when they're elevated, you know, having a few beers will be great, it'll, it'll keep them calm for a while, but then the emotions will, will, will shift the next day, obviously, but, um, you know, it's amazing, JT, if I, if, I got, if I got to a guy five minutes before he went to the pub and I showed him some things that uh, could help him calm down, then five minutes later he wouldn't want to go to the pub, you know. Um, so, so I'm really passionate about helping people sort of use these tools so they can actually slow down a bit and make wiser decisions that won't have consequences. Yeah, like I said, I'm, I'm, I'm not preaching, but, yeah, absolutely. Give, give different options, you know, and uh, I think people have a variety of choices that way. Yeah, that's true, you know, and, and a lot of guys, they'll, like, if they're working away, uh, they can go to the boozer every night, and when they get home, they're, they're so buggered that it takes a few days for them to come back to normal again, and that's when things can go wrong in the family, and, uh, you know, you start uh, having issues, but I think if we can become more self-aware, it's not the stuff we learn at school, mind you, you know, we never learned this stuff at school, so... To be able to sort of, you know, give guys tools and solutions on, on how to be more conscious, I think, is, is really important. Yeah, so like, like I, um, I told you when I emailed, you know, I had my own demons and, and all that sort of stuff. And, and my safety manager, um, yeah, he's actually encouraged me to go doing boxing training. I've always loved physical activity and yeah. I sort of slacked off over the last couple of years. So, you know, it, it's just having that one person I say, hey, man. Come on, man, let's go. You know what I mean? That's true. So, uh, but, so what happens there when you do box? How does that make you feel afterwards? Makes me feel like vomiting and I, <laughs> I can't hardly get in the car, but in my mind, I know I've done the right thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, what you know, happens? You know, go ahead. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, uh, so it's always challenging. So I've always been a physical bloke and uh, been a strong bloke and 
uh, I'm a little bit older now, and I, uh, I've abused my body my whole life in every yeah. way you can think of, um, especially physically. You know, I've never left anything on the field. I, I, I've broken everything I have, and um, as you get older, you know, the lifestyle choices that you make after work impacts on your, you know, your functionality. So one mm-hmm. thing I've noticed is a big thing as I get older is that I lose my functionality. You know, so you can still go in and do heavy lifts or whatever it is, but the, the way you move, movement, getting up off the couch, yes. getting up off the floor, uh, surfing, you know, you miss every three waves because you're not getting up fast enough. Yes. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, I'll, I'll be transparent here. I, I actually lost the job as a safety advisor because uh, I blew numbers one morning. Mm. Um, and that sort of changed my perspective around the whole thing, you know. Um, and, you know, all the guys go, you know, especially the young guys that come into the industry, you know, 10 before 10 or 9 before 9 or whatever it is. Yeah. And, and uh, I always advise them, look, don't put yourself in that position where you need to count. Yes, risk it. That's right. Absolutely. And, and I have too, mate. I was in a I, – I, I had a like a business in Tassie, labour hire and worked for others, and I remember going to a gold mine one morning and blowing over myself. So I'm no angel when it comes to that either. You know, yeah. but uh, but just having the awareness around it, I think, is so important. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. But, um, mate, you know, as we get older, you know, to be able to manage our bodies a little bit better and uh, differently uh, can certainly help. And, um, you know, it's all these skills that we uh, that we need to, um, you know, embrace as we age that we don't actually know. Um, you know, uh, we can't do the same stuff as what we did when we were in our 20s and so forth. The body actually changes and... Being able to listen to that's really important, mate. So we'll have another conversation about that one. But um, yeah, mate. I, I suppose so. Over the what, what what's been the most significant changes you've seen with mental health over the last maybe five years in the workplace? Yeah. So the main thing is like uh, I'm just saying that in a generalised way. Everyone used to talk about it and presentations and all those sorts of things, but I never really saw the change with implementing it down at ground level. Mm. Um, I've noticed now when you, we have pre-starts or just basic communication around the guys, everyone is a little bit free about talking about mental health mm. and how it affects them or how it affects someone they know. So I guess it's more around uh, the biggest significant changes, having people talk about it in general in a way that it's, it's not a taboo subject anymore. Mm, that's true. It's become, it's become mainstream, and I think if we start there, um, I think we can grow exponentially from there. Yeah, and obviously most employers that you're engaging with are, are on board with this, and I think that that's super important. But um, uh, yeah, certainly to be aware that um, we have got our physical health, yes, but also our mental health is uh, equally or, or more so important, and. Um, you know, mate, uh, we sort of, we touched on it before, like, you know, how, how safety has changed in the workplace, whereas years ago it was all about, you know, the physical um, illness, but now the mental illness can go along with, um, you know, psychological safety in the workplace and making sure that's actually um, working well for individuals as well. I think it's uh, just as important as making sure that, uh, you know, slips, strips and falls aren't happening and those sorts of things. Yeah, that's right. So, you know what? It's, they say healthy body, healthy mind. Uh, but if you've ever trained, and, and I'm sure you have, um, it's all about your mindset. So I've put on uh, 13 kg since I've been out, out here over the last year and a half because I've been lazy. Mm. Um, but but the reverse side of that is you've got to get your mind right before you train. Mm. 
That's true. If your mind, if your mind's not in place, you will not train. Yeah. And if you do train, you're not going to get the the benefits because you're doing it half-heartedly. Mm, that's so true. If, if your mind's there, get your mind in place, get your body in place, and then it becomes a cycle. Mm. But if one of those are out, it's no good. It's very challenging. And I'm challenged every day by it. Mm-hmm. So have you got any ideas on how you might be able to turn that around yourself? For myself? Yeah. Not at the moment. But the first thing I've done is engage back in training. Uh, and like I said, through my manager, he's, uh, he's got a box he's set up under his house. Um, I've got bad knees. So, I mean, I, I'm not making excuses. Well, I am making excuses, actually. <laughs> but I started playing basketball again. Yeah. I used to be an avid basketball player and my knees grew up straight away. Doesn't mean I have to stop exercising, but I stopped exercising, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, so uh, I'll be honest, no, I don't. But uh, you know what I've done? I've got off my ass and I've gone around to his place and I've started training. Yeah, good on you. And, that, that, yeah, that's true. Go ahead. Yeah, and that's the first step. It is, mate. And, and honestly, if you've got an injury or an incapacity in part of your body, there's other, other things you can do that can help you, like swim or box or whatever that can still get, you know, your heart rate up and get your breath into a nice flow. So, oh, you, look, so your mind can yeah, settle. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, yeah, that's right. I've got absolutely um, my knees erect, my ankles erect. But you know what? I can go swimming. Mm, that's true. And surfing. And so, yeah, surfing. So surfing, yeah. <laughs> I was out there this morning. Yeah, awesome, yes. awesome morning this morning. Yes, I went out at um, Main Beach Surf Club. Yep. Awesome ones. Easy paddle, nice waves, no wind. Yeah. A little bit chilly. Can't ask for more than that, mate. So tell me a bit about the job site you're on at the moment. You're uh, you're out in the middle of the bush. Um, you're out sort of uh, west of Emerald, I think. What are you What are you doing to keep yourself physically and mentally well while you're out there? Uh, for me, it's around my work. So I, I like structure. Um, I need structure. Um, I'm, I'm mischief otherwise. So I get there early, leave late. Um, and like I said, I've made a few cool lifestyle choices after work. Um, I'm just getting back on top of it now. But yeah, I, I like to stay busy. I need to stay busy. Yeah. Uh, I'm focused on my work, and uh, I enjoy engaging people and improving safety or attempting to improve safety every day. Yeah, awesome, mate. How, uh, how what's the ratio on site with regards to males and females out there? Uh. I'm not sure, but there's hardly any females. Right, okay, yeah, interesting. Yeah, because yeah, quite often, well, mining obviously is starting to become more and more relevant for, for women, and we want to try and educate you know, women as much as we possibly can uh, you know, on, on how to be able to manage themselves a bit better, and, and women are primarily more self-aware than what guys are, you know, so they are pretty good at managing their mental health um, on and off the job, uh, which is something we can all learn from, I suppose. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, I don't know much about uh, the woman in the workforce and mental health and all that sort of stuff, so... Yeah, yeah that, that might be your next chapter, so you can start to tune in a bit more about that, but it's uh, different altogether, mate. So, so yeah, mate, no uh, I really, really appreciate, um, yeah, our chat. How can people get hold of you if there's someone listening from a, from a mind site that may be going through some challenges or maybe uh, someone that's working on a mind site or uh, you know, a decision maker there that might be able to get you to give them a hand with regards to their, their safety uh, on, uh, on inside and outside of work, I suppose? Look, just, just call me on my number. Tell me what you want. You know, it's 0421 100596. 
Uh, and if I can't help you, I'll certainly refer refer you to someone who can. Yeah, cool, mate. Appreciate that. Or you can you can touch base with me, uh, and I can put you on to JT. That's no worries. So, drums. Mate, uh, really awesome uh, for the chat, really uh, insightful with regards to, uh, you know, the mining industry, construction industry and, you know, some of the, the things that are going on there. So uh, really appreciate the work you're doing, mate, and keep at it because I'm sure there's plenty of good uh, good outcomes to come for you and also for some of the people that you're working around and with in the future. So I appreciate it, mate. Look, absolutely, um, and you, your work as well, Aaron. Um, today I came on here to share that, even though that I'm involved in it and it's a, um, a passion of mine, I still struggle with it myself. Yeah. So I'm not on here to preach. Um, I thought twice about actually doing doing this podcast uh, because of my own struggles. But it doesn't mean I can't help. It doesn't mean that I can't educate people. Um, but I need people to realise that even though we can help, we have our own struggles as well. Yeah, well said, mate. Absolutely, everyone goes through stuff, you know. So if there's someone listening that is going through a few things, you know, reach out and, and, and seek some support. And it's a daily thing, mental health, mate. We've got to be able to, uh, you know, tune in with ourselves regularly to make sure that we're looking after ourselves. Otherwise, it can get away on us really quick. Absolutely, absolutely. So I appreciate your time, mate. And, uh, yeah, I'm sure we're going to catch up pretty soon. Too easy. Thanks for your time, mate. Thanks for having me on the show. Guys, thanks so much for listening in. A um, couple of audio issues there, I apologise. But um, certainly the content that we covered, uh, obviously around keeping yourself physically and mentally well at work uh, is important. And, um, you know, we do get fatigued. We do get burnt out. Uh, the mining industry and construction industry is tough. It will lower our, our self-awareness levels and so forth too. So it's being able to be conscious of that when we are feeling a bit flat and low to make positive uh, interventions rather than ones that might have consequences as well. But be able to sort of embrace and bring things into your daily life that uh, that can help you uh, be a bit more conscious, I suppose. So uh, yeah, if you'd like to contact JT, please, um, please give me a call or shoot me a message. I can put you in touch. If you want to uh, contact me, supportapatmind.com.au. Check out the website, outbackmind.com.au. Please share the podcast with, with others. There's some pretty awesome guests coming along soon. So uh, really diverse conversations from safety all the way through to, uh, to, to sport, to meditation, to yoga, all these different things that can actually help us. Um, and lots of personal stories of, um, of mental health challenges that people have had and, and what they've done to improve their lives. So it's uh, a great, um, great platform to, to share these conversations. I really appreciate everyone uh, listening in. Thanks very much, guys. Talk to you soon. Cheers.